Welcome everybody to an NCP conversation where biblical sermons are presented through a TED Talk-like fashion. I'm your host, William Kahn, and today we are going through another sermon through the book of James. Really excited, today we're going through James chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. The title is The Best Gift Ever. I'm really excited to go through this with you all today, and we're excited, so let's jump right into the sermon. And we're going to explore who God is, and, and it's going to be a fun time. So let's hop right into it. Tell me about your best birthday. Can you remember your best birthday ever? Many people can relate to what it's like to sit up the night before your birthday, or before Christmas, because you're anticipating the presents you're going to get. Some of you may not be able to relate to the more privileged, but besides a few of you listening, I believe most of us can understand what it's like to spend half the night waiting in anticipation for a particular morning, for that particular present, that one loved one who's coming to visit. It is a hopeful morning. You can remember thinking, I'm so excited tomorrow because of blank. Whatever it is, fill it in. Whether it is a gift or a moment or a person, you are thinking this is going to be the best present ever. I remember one day waiting for the next. I remember thinking this is going to be a fantastic present waiting for me. I knew because the night before I had waited to see what my parents had brought me. Parents, you know how hard it is to keep secrets from your kids. You have to find the best hiding places. This isn't some sock draw game you're playing here. This is in the attic, behind the table, with toys covered all over it to distract from the real goal, covering it with your wife's wedding dress, hiding it. You've got to hide those gifts good because you can't wait for your kids to see the presents for their faces to light up with excitement. Right now, I don't have kids of my own, but I can imagine what that feeling must be like for some of you. So back to the day before, I'm ready to get up that next morning. I can see the massive box waiting for me. And I'm thinking my dad, my mom have got me something really special. I'm thinking, oh man, how exciting is this? So I tear it open and it's this huge black case and I undo it and it's this beautiful, stunning, new tenor saxophone and I look upon it and if I remember correctly I bawled I cried and I cried because I didn't want it (laughs) you see my parents had just enrolled my brother and I in a new school and in that new school we were enrolled in band unfortunately I misheard my teacher talking about different musical instruments and picked an instrument I wasn't particularly excited about. I had picked the clarinet. Now, it's not a bad instrument, but if I had known better, my first choice would have been the saxophone. Everyone got their instrument and I got mine, the clarinet, and with that, the instructor said, okay, we've got this perfect mix going on here. No one, no one has the ability to change the instrument anymore because I won't let them. Of course, my parents didn't know any of this, and they were confused as to why I was so upset at my present. 
It was supposed to be this good thing. I was nervous because I was going to get in trouble with my music teacher. See, I wouldn't even touch the instrument until I got it sorted out with him. Of course, I had fretted over nothing and my music teacher said it was no big deal and I was over the moon because not only did I get the instrument I wanted to play, but I got my very own I could play on. You know, it went from a bad thing to a great thing. Unfortunately, my uh, <laughs> parents missed out on that special moment that morning and, and they didn't get the light in the eyes that they were hoping for. See, giving gifts uh, can be one of the most rewarding experiences you can do for another person. And, and, and essentially yourself. When you see the gift and the impact it makes on another person, there's this beautiful return to yourself that is essentially a byproduct of what you're intending in the first place. Giving gifts, primarily of course, is for the other person. But when you realize the joy you get out of the experiences, it's no wonder why people take great pride in the type of gifts they give to others. Today we'll explain the idea of who God is and why he gives good gifts. Our passage today is in James chapter 1 verses 16 to 18 and it tells us that every good gift is from God and that God gave us one extraordinary gift, the person and work of Jesus. Maybe you don't believe that right off the bat, but let me make the case for you as we unpack why the Bible makes this claim that every good gift is from God. So let's read the passage and then we'll break it down. James chapter 1 verses 16 to 18. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So let me paint for you a small picture and then widen it to a picture of God appropriately. Why, do you think, was I excited the night before I got my present? Why do you think I was excited? The answer is because I knew who my parents were. My parents to me were love, loving, kind people who tried their best to give me anything I wanted. I knew on those special days, birthdays, Christmas, I would get wonderful gifts. I was excited because my parents had a track record of giving good gifts to me. But were my parents perfect to everyone? Of course not. Right? I can even admit beyond my biases of having my um, parents as superheroes that they weren't, at times, the greatest people in the world. No one is perfect to everyone. To many people, my father was a stranger, my mother was a stranger, not people of importance. To me, they are my parents. They are the ones who look after me, love me, teach me. God, however, is not like man. See, my example I used of why I trusted my parents is an appropriate example because of my parents' authority in my own life. It starts and ends there. God, however, has interactions with everyone on earth, and so we have to try and understand God in a different light. 
Some of you may have experienced good things in your life, and you've contributed that to God. This is where uh, this interesting hashtag culture that we've uh, established in our generation comes to light. People have felt gratitude for the things in their life that they've been given, and they use this hashtag blessed right, to signify that they've been given these wonderful things by God or some force in the universe. See, to them, God is good because he's been good to them. This logic falls apart because others, especially some of you, have not had it so terribly great. See, you may have disease that has run through your family, deaths of immediate family members. Perhaps you have been in financial need. You've been poor all your life. Your family has struggled to get by. Some people see God as bad because they've had a bad life. So we end up wondering about the nature of God. Is the nature of God what we say it is because of how he has treated us? See, James says, don't be deceived. Linking this to the previous sermon, James says to his readers, God is like you and I. If you, know, if you want to know exactly what I'm talking about, go back and listen to last week's sermon. James says instead, God gives good and perfect gifts. And there's no variation of who this God is. Essentially, what James is saying is, don't go on believing that God is a bad God, bringing forth pain and destruction. Or perhaps you might be thinking, well, God is a temperamental God. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad. James says, don't believe that either. God is a giver of good gifts. He is a giver of perfect gifts. He is the one who loves you, and he will always love you, for there is no variation in him. He will always give good gifts. He will always be giving perfect gifts. How do we know this? How do we trust in a God, even though we've had a tough life that has flipped us upside down from time to time, and we've come out worse for wear? If God were good, we say, my life would be better. I wouldn't be struggling so much. Where are all these good and perfect gifts James is talking about here? How do we discern that God is actually good to us? See, this is a difficult question because sometimes we come at it from a personal angle. And because you're personally involved, you have this shade of looking at it, which is just very difficult to understand. We can look at our lives and we can wonder why we've had such a hard life. Right? So I look at my life and I think I've had a hard life because I lost my dad when I was a boy. I, I don't want to minimalize this either. But at the same time, my loss was profound for me. However, others suffered as well. Some grew up as adopted children, never knowing their real parents. Some lost their parents at a younger age than I did. Some were abused by close family members. Some grew up in financial difficult times. Friends, this is not to compare who had it worse. Right? We don't want to play this victim um, Olympics game. Right? You, right now who are listening, you may have had it worse. We can play this game all day long. I want to highlight for you that we, we who live in North America 
listening to this podcast, if we have a roof over our head and we have access to clean water, we had a meal to eat within in the last 24 hours, we, we aren't last. Right? The real question, the more difficult question comes when about the goodness of God. And if we want to go there, we want to make a steel man argument, not a straw man argument, a steel man argument for the position that God isn't good. We should look to the worst places in the world, the places where there is high infant mortality rate, where poverty and slavery go hand in hand, where times where people groups were slaughtered because of the race or their nationality. You, you ask the question, is God good then and there? See, personal anecdotal evidence is hard to argue against because the pains you've incurred over your life that weren't not caused by yourself are evils that have happened to you and we don't want to trivialize those. They are hard pains that you have endured and and it is possibly difficult, maybe even impossible to overcome those in a small time. But when we look back as a whole, right? And we look as a black hole that's called worse. Human history has been filled with such terrors of the like I can't even fathom. When I look at my suffering compared to something like the Holocaust, by comparison, it doesn't even hold a candle to it. Yet I have to deal with the sufferings done to me, and you have to deal with the sufferings done to you. And I sympathize with whatever you're going through. Here, friends, in the light of Holocausts, genocides, world wars, we find the most difficult arguments against the goodness of God. Is God good when you look at the span of all of these terrible things? I want to bring up a subject of the afterlife because there's this common thought running through North America that there is no afterlife. People have a hard time understanding hell. Specifically, they can't fathom the intensity of hell. To be in conscious torment forever and ever sounds awful. Heaven sounds great. Hell sounds terrible. So it's better to think that there is no afterlife. No, the problem with there's no afterlife is that there's these monstrosities, these terrible things that happen to people and leave thousands dead. Right, we're talking about the genocides, the world wars, and the such, and and the offenders seem to die, and that's the end of it. A terrible injustice has occurred, and it leaves many wondering what just happened. You know, a singular death compared to the deaths of thousands or millions. Where is the justice? Right? There is no justice, we say. We turn to God and say, I don't believe in you because I saw with my own eyes nothing was done to right this wrong. See, people will adopt a worldview that then goes on to say that there is injustice, where there is no final justice, and therefore there is no God. People live, people die. I must make the most of my life. When you take out an afterlife, when you take out a judgment day, there is no justice, there is no goodness, to the victims of the world. However, 
you ask anyway, you don't feel this way. People don't feel this way. We feel a great injustice has been done, and we hope one day these wrongs will be right. We can't prove this. We just know in our very being that what has happened was wrong, and we're asking for it to be made right. This is a natural law that has been impressed on your heart. You see, you say something goes wrong, and if you had the power to fix it, you would. But when you take out the acolyte and you judge the actions as standalone, you're left wondering, is God good? See, when you put God and an athlete back into the picture, what we realize is that the final word, the final judgment has yet to come. When we say God is a giver of every good and perfect gift, what we mean is not only the good gifts, the blessings that you have that come from God, but every injustice committed against you will one day be made right through justice. One day, every single person is going to have to stand and take responsibility for the wrong they've done against others, against earth, and ultimately against God. So, well, you say that everything wrong will one day be made right. And I hope I've made that argument. Why don't you think the wrongs were brought forth by God? Great question. Listen, if God wanted to be statistical, Sadistic. I just have a question. Why isn't it worse? Seriously, why isn't half the world wiped out in a single night? Why are more people finding more and more wealth and being lifted out of poverty? Why has slavery been deemed evil and social causes been pushed forward? Guys, why do we have space technology? Why do people have more access to clean water than ever before in history. Friends, there are so many reasons to be grateful for where we are today. We've seen terrible things. The depravity of man trying to take hold of power. Why don't I think these terrible wrongs were brought forth by God? Honestly, it's just the fact that man hasn't been wiped out centuries ago. Right? By all the plague, the famine, the disease, the wars, the ice ages, the predators. Honestly, I think it makes a great argument that God isn't trying to kill us. If anything, right, God is for us. <laughs> right? Maybe you don't believe in God. Maybe you just believe that man is extremely lucky. No, good, good for you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think luck has gotten us this far. That's an opinion. I think we will help by God. I, I truly believe that God has looked after man since his formation. And I believe that God has said, no, I want you to live. I want you to prosper. The fact that I'm having this conversation with you today, uh, we've made it so far. Right? I think God is all about life. I think we've made it very far. Right? This good gifts that have been given to us, right? The advancement of technology, uh, the advancements in science, uh, the brains to come up with those advancements. I believe all that has been given to us by God. North America in 2018 is a great time, is a great year to be alive, my friends. We have so many blessings, yet life is hard at times. I don't want to discount your struggle. One thing I want you to do today, as you walk away from this sermon, count your blessings. 
There might be many things wrong in your life, but count your blessings. One, you're alive. Two, you have the ability to listen to the sermon. There's two blessings right there. Keep going. Right? Today, God gives every good gift. What are the good gifts in your life? There's so many things that I can point to just off the top of my head. Electricity, air conditioning, being married, being able. I don't know where you're at in your life, but sometimes we can lose perspective and so much darkness can close in. But I I need you to remember the good things God has given to you and your family. Every good and perfect gift is from God. Right? And these are just the good gifts. Even greater, I want to make this point, even greater, every perfect gift is given to you by God. Listen, friends, life can suck. Sometimes you're expecting things to go right for you and you open up that day you look inside that black case and, and you see what you've been given and you just start to cry. Maybe it wasn't what you needed for that day. Maybe it's not what you expected. Maybe it's worse than a bad gift. <laughs> Maybe it's trials. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's suffering. Maybe it's going to cause a tough world to go down. Maybe you have to have a tough conversation with your music teacher or your parents or the cops. Sometimes... Life is difficult. It's not your fault. It's just what's thrown at you. Sometimes you're the victim. And an injustice has been caused against you. And and life goes on. And there doesn't seem to be an immediate justice. That's, friends, that's a bad gift. What I'm saying is that sometimes you can get a bad gift in life. But bad gifts can be made right again. And the injustices that I've committed against you will finally one day have justice. I, I, I believe in a God. Not because I think that He's good and fluffy and gives me everything I want through my prayers. Is that there's real suffering in the world. There's real terror in the world. And people lose everything and a great injustice and they cry out to God, please give me justice. One day, every terrible thing that has happened to you will be made right again. Friends, this should fill us with joy. Wrong things should be made right again. Things that have gone astray should come back into alignment again. Things that were lost should be found. Things that have died should live again. But I have a hard truth for you. A truth you might not be ready for. For just as you wait for the wrongs that were committed against you to be made right, which I believe with all my heart it will be made right again, God waits for you for the wrongs you've committed before Him. You might protest. What wrongs have I committed against God? Jesus asked a religious leader once to sum up the laws of God. The teacher put it simply. 
Love God and love your neighbor. Do you love God? Have you rightfully loved your fellow man? Friends, I'm no expert, but I can tell you that no one is capable of following these two commandments perfectly. We've all hurt others. We've all taken the good gifts from God for granted. We have broken the laws of God, and God has to right those wrongs. We will be held accountable for everything that we have done against God. Now you're thinking, this sounds terrible. But there is great, fantastic, beautiful news for each and every one of us. See, God saw that we couldn't uphold the law. He saw that we weren't capable of following these commandments. Knowing that to make things right and perfect again, He would need to lay out justice to meet the injustices that we have brought before Him. How does God do that? He does it through the work in person of Jesus. He sent someone to do it for us. See, the passage goes on to say, of His own will, that is to say, God's very plan. He brought us, that is to say, He made us right. He brought us towards Him. He made us right with Him again by the word of truth. And that, my friends, is the name of Jesus. God sent Jesus, His own Son, to live a perfect life, to stand in our place, so He could take the justice of God, the wrath of God, deserved for us on the cross, so that we wouldn't have to, and we could be made right again with God. Jesus took our place so that we could take His. Jesus took our injustices, our insults we've caused against God, and we took the title of the Son of God. This is a great exchange where we are no longer an enemy of God because we've caused injustices against Him, but a Son of God because of the person and work of Jesus. Friends, you thought the good gifts of God were great, right? You thought, man, Starbucks is amazing. Uh, thank you that I have a car. Thank you that I have um, electricity. Thank you that I have cheap rent, right? And, and you said, man, we live in a fantastic age. You know, there's going to be space travel in like 30 years. They are good things. But then you remember, man, there's all this suffering in the world, right? All the, all the children that are taken by disease, right? All the war-torn countries, people killed by rebels or um, criminals, outlaws. You think, how does that work? How does that work with the 2018 North American standard? But I tell you now that those injustices, those wrongs are going to be made right they're not going to be left unsolved. One day, we're all going to stand before a judgment seat and it's going to be made right again. Justice will be dealt out. And the greatest thing is that even though justice will also be dealt out to me and you, there's somebody willing to stand in our place so that we don't have to take the punishment. We don't have to take the wrath. The wrath that is incurred by the justice that needs to be handed out is done through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. This, this is the best gift ever. This is the gift 
I, I, I stay up awake thinking about, giddy about, excited because I'm no longer held accountable for the injustices I've done against God and against others. Yes, friends, from that we have to turn, right? We can't say, this is an amazing gift and now go out and, and, and continue to cause harm, continue to um, go against the will of God. We can't continue to do our own thing. We have to make a change in our life because we have been forgiven, because God has made a way for us forward. But we're going to screw up. We're going to make mistakes. And all that is covered under the, the sacrifice that Jesus made standing in our place. And all the follies, all the mistakes are going to be put on Jesus. And allow that to reform your mind, reform your heart, to, to make you new again, to say, oh, I don't want to live the way that I've been living Allow that to sink in as the best gift ever. Friends, as you leave here today, I just have one thing for you to do. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. Think that you're alive. Be thankful that you can listen to this sermon. Be thankful that injustices in third world countries are going to be fixed one day. And be thankful that Christ gave his life so that the injustices you and I have committed against God have been taken away from us being put on Christ. Those have been resolved because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And now we live as sons of God over our head. God made a way for us to be right with him. And this is the greatest gift we've ever been given. Count your blessings. Friends, if you haven't responded to Jesus' work on the cross and you want to have a relationship with God, accept what Jesus has done for you. Believe, know that what Jesus did was enough for you to be saved. Anchor your hope in that. Because one day, when we all pass away from this world, our souls will live on and we're going to be in front of God and allow your hope to be anchored in what Jesus did for you and I. Friends, thank you so much for listening to today's sermon. I really pray that today's talk was helpful and that you can take away something from today's discussion. You may not agree with everything I said today, but take the topic to your friends, your families, your co-workers and allow your mind to be transformed the community of learners. May God bless you today and forever. Thank you so much for listening once again to an NCP conversation. My name is William Kahn. I am excited to share this time with you. We'll talk to you in a couple of days.